Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. One more hour to go. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site, you catch us on the go. Social media at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At JMCH316 on my personal Twitter page. Hawks fall tonight, uh, 119-116. Tough loss uh, at State Farm Arena tonight. And Quinn Snyder's debut, they uh, don't get the victory. Um, fun game. It was a good game, but Hawks fell short. And, um, again, no moral victories. They, they've got to get some things figured out. But um, back at it on Friday at home against the uh, Trailblazers. So, um, again, we're kind of creeping toward that must-win territory. If we're going to make any kind of move whatsoever – it's getting to be we've got to start accumulating several of these. Now, I asked a question before the top of the hour. Is the bench, you know, Sadiq and Bogey and the bench, the real X factor for the Hawks? You know, the bench has been sort of a problem area for the Hawks for this entire year. Part of that is just the guys they brought in. Part of that is not having Kevin Herter anymore you're not having you don't have Gallo anymore you don't have what feels like that kind of second five anymore and then you factor in Jalen Johnson who's really not getting playing time of late he had four minutes uh, against the uh, Knicks right before the all-star break played 22 against the Cavs but that was a game where you were up by as much as 32 in that game so that was blowout city that's why he played a bunch then but he only played four minutes against the uh, Brooklyn Nets, and he didn't play at all tonight. And maybe that's a sign over these last handful of games that without having a blowout in the mix on one side or the other, either they have a, the Hawks blow a team out or the Hawks are getting blown out. I'm not sure how much Jalen Johnson is going to play. Now, Bogey obviously was one of the guys that was hurt early on in the season and, you know, he's only played 30-some games for the year. But he's still your fourth leading scorer. Believe it or not, he averages more points per game than John Collins does. DeJounte, Trey, DeAndre Hunter, and then Bogey's fourth on that list. So I don't, I don't mind the bench rotation that they have right now with the Kongu. Obviously, he's going to spell... Capella, he can give you rebounds. He can give you a little bit of scoring. He can protect the rim. That's what he does. And and he can kind of, you know, not necessarily split some time with Capella, but but he can play a pretty decent amount of minutes. Then you have Bogey, who's one of your better three-point guys, and, and he's kind of your offensive punch coming off the bench. And then Sadiq Bey. I, I like Sadiq Bey. Now, the only problem with Sadiq Bey is he's really limited defensively. He's not a very good defensive player, but he is a guy that can score. He is a guy that can get you some offensive points, and he can get you some buckets in a game. And then you factor in A.J. Griffin, who's in his rookie year. You know, he can he can shoot some threes. He's not a terrible defender. And, you know, he can get you, you know, he can get you some minutes as well. So it's not really that kind of second five, but – when you start 
when you start getting into the playoffs and start getting down the stretch here and you start getting into the playoffs, you know, certainly fatigue is always a factor when you got guys that are playing 35, 36 minutes a night. And, you know, some of those guys are just going to wear down a little bit. When you need some of that scoring punch coming off of your bench, you know, tonight was a night where DeJounte Murray didn't shoot the ball very well. You know, John Collins didn't really do much offensively. I mean, he only had 10 points in 26 minutes in the game tonight, and he only shot it six times, was 0 for 2 from 3. So when you've got to get a little bit of a spark from your bench, and they had 33, I think, tonight, 16 from uh, Bogey in 20 minutes of play, 12 from Sadiq Bay in 27 minutes of play tonight. So their bench can get you some threes, but with a short bench rotation, you're going to have to be able to rely on those guys, and I don't really know how much Jalen Johnson is going to play down the stretch. I mean, it does seem like that, you know, short of the blowout last Friday, you know, in that Cavs game, he's not accumulating a lot of minutes of late. And he was consistently, if you look at his minutes, he was pretty consistently getting, you know, 15. You know, sometimes he had to play a lot more minutes because of guys that were injured. But, you know, 15 to 19 minutes, you know, pretty regularly throughout most of the season. But that's kind of been shrunk down. And obviously, you're not going to, you're not looking to go really deep on your bench. I mean, you're not trying to, you're not trying to find a second five when you get toward playoff time. But I really do think that when you need some scoring punch and you've got a Sadiq Bay and you've got Bogey and, and some guys who can shoot some threes, that may be a real X factor for the Atlanta Hawks when they get to playoff time. You know, especially if, Trey doesn't have a good night shooting from three. You know, DeJounte Murray, by and large, is is not a great three-point shooter. I certainly don't want John Collins hucking up threes, I mean, on a on a regular basis. You know, let him have his two or three or whatever, and and that's it. And Hunter's wildly inconsistent. So you need some of those guys that can give you some scoring punch coming off the bench. You need some guys that can get you some points in a hurry if you get behind or you get down to some of these teams. And look, you know, you're at the point where it's only 20 games left and we can say, well, you know, it's you only got 20 games to go, but you've played 62. <laughs> you, you know, the the NBA season is a grind. I, I you know, I've I've long believed that the NBA season is way way too long. Way way too long. You know, it it I Trust me, and they would never, the, the owners will never go for this. But, you know, a few years ago, we had that 66-game season. Uh, that's perfect. 66 games start in December and run through it. You know, I'd be more in favor of something like that. But it is a grind. And, you know, when you're traveling all over the country and the grind of that season, you're going to have to rely on some guys. And, and you're going to have to be able to get some production off your bench. So you can protect the rim and get some rebounding and some blocks from a Kongu. So he can, you know, he can spell Capella. And if you can get Bogey and Bay to give you some offensive punch, and yeah, none of those guys are are great defensively, but for what you need out of them, you know, they can be a real X factor in a playoff series. 404-741-0929. Let's uh Let's grab Julio out in Norcross. What's going on, Julio? 
what's going on, man? So I was just at the game, you know, and uh, and and I hear you when it comes to the offense. So, but I really think it's us improving on defense that's going to be a factor because we could only do so much when it comes to the offense. The team, the team could shoot the ball, but when the ball doesn't fall, we need that other side to play hard defense, and that's why I feel that we were lacking. That's why all of a sudden I see Pedro coming in there making the shots that counted because he was able to take it to the lane really easily. So that's kind of like my thing. I think it's the defense side of it. Hopefully this new coach is able to kind of get that mindset into the team to pick that up on that side. And I do believe that could be a difference in in where we are right now. Yeah, I mean, in theory, yes. I mean, in theory, yes. But you've got to have that one-two. And I don't know if in 20 games that your coach can implement a system or or get that one-two out of it after it's been this long. I, I mean... I'm I'm with you. Should they be a better defensive team? Yeah. But what's the reality of that? I mean, you don't have you don't have a lot of really good defensive players on this roster. Right? I mean, Murray's a really good defensive player. Capella's an adequate rim protector. He's a pretty good defensive guy. He's got your best defensive rating. And DeAndre Hunter is supposed to be the you know, he, he's supposed to be, coming out of college, the best defensive player in the country, and it really hasn't always translated that way. So, you know, there's that there's that want to from your team. There, there's that want to. It sounds good, yes. I mean, we've got to be a much better defensive team. But one is, if you look at the NBA just in general – there aren't a lot of great defensive teams, and, and scoring is is going up and up and up. But I don't know how I don't know how much you can quickly fix that, and I don't know with this particular roster because Young is limited defensively, Sadiq Bay is limited defensively, Bogey's limited defensively, Collins is okay. You know he's he's been better than he's been in years past, but there aren't a whole lot of great defensive players on this squad. So while I understand the point, it's, okay, what what can be done to all of a sudden get that? And look, Quinn Snyder had some good defensive teams in Utah. Now, he also had Rudy Gobert, who was the defensive player of the year. You know, if you can, if you can build your – if you can build around defensively the guy who's the defensive player of the year, yeah, you can do some different things. You, you can do some different things with all that. But – I don't know if we have one of those kinds of guys. I don't, I don't know if we have. I don't know if we have the want to to be, you know, a defensive-minded team. So, you know, you, you've you, you've got to, I guess, play to your strengths. And the strength of this team, when those five guys that start are out there, is they're a really efficient offensive team. And that's also, you know, look, Quinn Snyder had one of the better, more efficient offensive teams. I mean, I. At, at one point, he had the most efficient offensive team in the NBA, and I think at one point he also had the third most uh, defensive efficient team in the NBA. Not in the same season, but in different seasons. And that's going to take some time. That's going to take some some want to, some you know philosophical things, and some heart to heart conversations, and, and maybe some changes you know to our roster to make it a little bit more defensive minded roster. But I don't know that how much you can get this team to buy into the mindset of in the last 20 games, 
that you can play that much better defensively. I mean, even if you just look in the last three, right, 119, what was it? Was it 127 that they give up to the Brooklyn Nets? And then even even in the Cavs game where you blew team where you blew the Cavs out, you know, they still give up like 119, right? So you've given up you've given up a pretty good amount of points. I don't know how quickly that mindset is going to change. All right, when we come back, I'm starting to have a feeling that the Falcons are going to find a way to upgrade at quarterback over Desmond Ritter. I'll explain next. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back at it, Chuck Green Show. Hanging out in Kia Studios. Going to take you to the top of the hour. JR Sports Brief coming up after us. Coming off of a Hawks loss tonight. 119-116. Good game. Hard fought. But uh, Hawks came up on the losing end of things. But uh, again, as we've been saying, no moral victories tonight. 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At JMCH316 on my personal Twitter page. So it was the uh, Falcons are, you know, Terry Fontenot's up in Indianapolis, and he's hanging out at the Combine. I don't know if Arthur Smith is there. Uh, I know Arthur Smith is, I, I guess, speaking to the media. And I know we had Terry uh, Fontenot on the station earlier today. Well, well I, Now, I thought it was with steak, but then I heard Mike and Carl say it was middays. So it wasn't with steak? Okay. All right. I, I can't keep up with all this stuff. So, um Find it on the uh, Odyssey Odyssey.com? Yeah. You can go to the game.com? Yeah. You can go to the website, the, the <laughs> Odyssey app, or wherever you are. But um, uh, so I guess he was on with middays. But and and we'll we'll probably break down the interview and, and react to it tomorrow. But you know, I based upon the comments, and, and we saw, by the way, we saw, by the way, that the Falcons cut Marcus Mariota, which was the least surprising thing in the entirety of Atlanta sports, right? Like that was going to happen, and they pick up $12 million. So now it's Desmond Ritter, and then as of right now, you've got Logan Woodside on a million-dollar contract. So it's like veteran minimum that he's on. So I, I'm not even counting him, to be honest with you, as to where the, the Falcons are looking at quarterback or anything like that. But we heard the comments, I don't know, a couple months ago from um, Arthur Blank, the owner. And he talked about, you know, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, Desmond Ritter's a leader and he's good and we recognize that and all that kind of stuff. But he didn't really pronounce him, the, you know, the quarterback of the future or, you know, the QB1. And then, you know, we got, and, and we brought this story up yesterday about Arthur Smith from the team's website, I guess earlier before he went up to Indianapolis, quote, we're not naming any starters right now. There are a lot of things that can happen. We're very excited about Dez. No different than we are excited about Tyler Algier, Drake London, the improvements that they've made, and blah, 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 blah. Now, we obviously know that Arthur Blank dipped his toe into the quarterback pool last year to go get Deshaun Watson. And that was an Arthur Blank call. 
that that the original plan was they were going to either get they were either going to get Deshaun Watson or Matt Ryan was going to play one more year. Then Matt said, "Eh, you know, I I I don't think I want to be here anymore. I see the writing on the wall. Let me go ahead and work out a trade." And then he reached out to Indianapolis, and you know things happened from there. But I'm I, I if I'm just reading the tea leaves on this. I'm just starting to sense that they're going to try to upgrade at quarterback over Desmond Ritter. Whether that's going out and getting Lamar Jackson or if Justin Fields or somebody like that. Or drafting a quarterback at number eight. If Stroud is there or, God forbid, Anthony Richardson or somebody is there. I really do think that I'm just, I'm speculating on this, but it just feels like more and more that they're not necessarily going to go the route of, you know, bringing in a competent backup. Like I said, I've talked about like Jacoby Brissett, a guy who could push Desmond Ritter, but you want Desmond Ritter to win the job. But it's just the way that, this team talks about it. You know, they they say, well, leader and this and that and, you know, what have you. You know, like the commanders, they pronounced that Sam Howe was going to be QB1 and then they cut Carson Wentz. Just cut him outright. And they were going and, and they've made it and they've proclaimed that Sam Howell is going to be their QB1 and they made the corresponding moves to just say, hey, we're going to move on from all this. I just feel like with this Falcons franchise that Arthur Blank has had two franchise-caliber quarterbacks in his tenure, Matt Ryan and Michael Vick. Guys that, you know, and I don't know how much you could rely on Michael because of injuries and other things that happened, but certainly guys that you could trust the franchise with and certainly guys that you felt like you could win on any given Sunday with. And I don't think they feel like they have that now. Even though Desmond Ritter has gotten better, you know, he got better every week that he played. From Baltimore, you know, all the way through Tampa, he got better and better. Finished 2-2, two and two, and, and he was a better quarterback in the final start of last year than he was in his first start. And it got better each week, and it, there was that natural progression. But I just, for whatever reason, I just feel like Arthur is going, but both Arthur Smith and Arthur Blank are going to look to upgrade that position. They have the money. They've got money, and they've got capital. They can use their draft. You know, they have resources now. You know, this is this is a time when, you have resources to go and do some, you know, bigger, bolder things and, you know, get outside the box. And, again, they certainly dipped their toe into Deshaun Watson's waters last year. They certainly they certainly got into that pool, and, you know, they were willing to take the meeting, even though to set up the meeting with Deshaun Watson, you had to be willing to give up three first-round draft picks. Then the whole money thing factored in, and, it was just too much, I think, to, to bite off. But they were in that pool. 
And I just think that with the way that the owner and the head coach, while I don't think they don't they don't dislike Desmond Ritter or anything like that, just feels like that they're going to make some kind of move to upgrade at that position. Because obviously we've talked a lot here on the show that you want to be a Super Bowl contender, you better have a great defensive line, a great offensive line, and a great quarterback. You're not winning the Super Bowl without those three things. And you're not contending for the Super Bowl unless you're well above average in those three things. And you might you might be a little bit lacking in, in one of those things, and that may be the difference between why you're not in or win the Super Bowl versus you're getting pretty close. And I just think that that quarterback position, and look, I like Desmond Ritter. He was my favorite draft pick from last year. Um, I would like to see them roll with it because he is a cheap option. He's not going to cost you, obviously, draft capital. He's not costing you free agent money. He's not taking away from what you're trying to build, right? You don't have to give up more assets, more capital, or anything like that. Desmond's already here. He's already, you know, your quarterback. And I'm hoping that he can make that leap. But I'm just starting to think that I'm not as sure that the Falcons' front office thinks that he can make that same leap. And let's be honest. (laughs) They've invested a lot of capital into guys that, let's all say it together, catch the football. Not guys necessarily who run the football, not guys who block for the guys that, that you know are on the offensive side, not guys who accumulate sacks and things like that. They have a lot invested into guys that catch the football. Right, wrong, or indifferent, at this point, we're all past it, right? Oh, how I would have loved Penesul and Micah Parsons and all that, but anyway. But we're past all that. Now you have the roster that you have. And now you've got the guys that you have on here. And I think I think creating an offense where, and look, Marcus Mariota at times, we, the thing you can't be in the NFL, you can't be incompetent throwing the football. And, and that's what we were under Marcus Mariota. We were incompetent in throwing the football. Wasn't like we couldn't run the football, but we weren't really any kind of even above average or dynamic offense because you can't be that in the NFL without throwing the football. You have to have a guy that can stand in the pocket and push the football downfield. How many times have we said that? And it's true. All the guys that are near or in the Super Bowl, the Matt Staffords, the Joe Burrows, the Pat Mahomes, the Jalen Hurts, they can stand in that pocket and they can deliver the football downfield. The guy we had starting off last year, he's overthrowing guys, he's underthrowing guys, he's shot-putting a throw against the Panthers. You can't be incompetent when it comes to throwing the football in today's NFL. And we were that for a definite stretch of the year. We made it through smoke and mirrors because defensively we didn't play too bad. Our offensive line was really good, and we could dictate on the offensive line of scrimmage. You know, we could control the line of scrimmage with our offensive line, but we couldn't do enough defensively. 
and we couldn't be a dynamic enough offense. And so I just think that when when you hear the things that Arthur Smith and Arthur Blank have said, it's not that they don't trust Desmond Ritter. It's not that they don't have faith that he can do the job, but I just feel like maybe they look at him in some ways as option number two. If they can if they can get a guy in free agency, trade for a guy, or maybe a guy falls into their lap that they really like that they can draft, I think that they may pull the the you know, pull the trigger on all that. I think that they may end up going that route. And, you know, again, I'm not for grabbing Lamar. I'm not for grabbing Justin Fields. I am for grabbing C.J. Stroud if he's available, but I'm not for Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. I'm not I'm not for a lot of the other options because I think if you can work with Desmond Ritter and you can get Arthur Smith to coach him up, that you saw that he got better every week. And I think we can be pretty good at quarterback. I don't know if we can be great, but we can be at least pretty good. And if you're talking playoffs and things like that, because we're look, even if you have Lamar Jackson, you're not a quarterback away from being in the Super Bowl. That that this team is too fundamentally flawed. There are way too many holes that one offseason is just not going to fix everything. Even with free agent money and even with draft capital, still not going to fix everything that ails you and, and has woes about your roster. We're not in a year going to be the Bengals and Philly and Kansas City and things like that. Just not going to happen in one season. But we can, we can certainly be a playoff team, and, and we can certainly turn this thing around to where we have a winning record. But I just think that this front office and the owner, too, who will be involved, if, if you're going out and getting Lamar Jackson, that's the owners signing off on that because you're going to have to pay a crap ton of money. You're going to have to pay Watson kind of money. I just think that we're going to look to get some kind of upgrade at that quarterback position. All right, what's Bucket Chuckery coming up next? Um, she deserved even more than what she got. I'll explain next. Chuckery Nikia Studios, Sports Radio, 929 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Uh, Sports Radio, 929 The Game. Chuck Show here, hanging out for a few more minutes. The top of the hour, Jared Sports Brief will be coming up uh, after us. Full shows uh, tomorrow and Thursday, and then we're on uh, late night again after Hawks basketball. So we will be on uh, Friday night late, and then uh, we got the full four hours uh, coming up over the next uh, couple of days. So not a lot of Hawks games left. Not uh, not much left in the tank for. Atlanta Hawks, 20 games at this point. So it's an even 20, 31 and uh, 31 for the season. So they uh, lose tonight, 119-116 uh, uh, to the Wizards. A team, you know, truthfully, you got to be able to put some distance between you and them. And, you know, you could certainly by taking care of business against the Wizards, you know, not only just win games and try to move yourself up in the standings, but put – Put some separation between you and the Wizards because they're nipping right on your heels. And, you know, they're going to play four times over the 21 games. You know, tonight was the first of four against the Wizards. And you'll see them, what, Wednesday and Friday of next week. 
So you're going to turn and you got that two games in three days on the road and then that two games. And, and I don't know why the NBA, I mean, I don't, I understand why the NBA is doing the two games on the road in three days, but why are they making the Hawks go back to back like that? Because it's not easy to win the second game when you play a team at home in the NBA twice in three nights. You know, that's it's not easy to win that second game. Why would you why would the NBA not split that up? Like put a couple of few games in between those, you know, that those that road trip. But uh, it's the it's the ridiculousness of the NBA schedule and you know it's the only thing that makes sense about the NBA and its schedule and everything else is nothing makes sense about it. Do you see that uh, Commissioner Adam Silver, by the way, was at the at the game uh, tonight? Um, so he was there watching the uh, referees blow the calls and all that kind of stuff. So um, at least he didn't come out and say that you know they were they had their best season ever or whatever like that that Roger Goodell had you know to say about it. But anyway. Um, all right, we, uh, let's get to a what's bugging Chuckery since we only got a few more minutes. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. This is a story that we've talked about before here on the show. So, after the Kobe Bryant tragedy... There were members of, I guess, the um, uh, sheriff's, uh, the county sheriff and fire department employees that were using their personal phones to take pictures of some of the crash scene and the dead bodies surrounding Kobe Bryant and his daughter and, and that whole accident and everything that happened. And we talked about this before that. She was suing, you know, uh, Los Angeles. I guess it was Los Angeles County that she was suing. And, you know, she had won a settlement um, last year. But now she's been, now she's won a $28.85 million settlement from Los Angeles County in exchange for finding uh, or for ending her fight against those that she accused of improperly taking and sharing photos of her dead husband and daughter after they perished in that crash in January of 2020. And it does include the $15 million judgment that she won against the county after a trial last year. So now she's got $28.85 million. Can I tell you, she deserves even more. For, for these scuzzbags, and that's what they are, if they were taking pictures of the crash scene and the bodies on their personal phone. I don't care if they posted them. I don't care if they kept them to themselves. They're scuzz bags. And and they get every bad thing that can come out of all of this. And all that they those people were doing is trying to capitalize. Because I promise you, I, I promise you that some of those people probably thought, well, we could sell these to TMZ or something like that. I promise you that that's, that's how people think in today's world. How can I make a fast buck off of something? Not the family, not what they're feeling, not any of that kind of stuff. She should have gotten more than, you know, she's probably being charitable 
only taking $28.85 million of, her, of their money. And I understand. She doesn't need money. She She's never going to work again. She doesn't have to have money. Kobe made plenty of money as a player. But sometimes you have to hit these people where it hurts most. And, and you have to take as much money from these people so that something like this doesn't happen again. It was a disgusting thing. It was a disgusting scenario that happened. You know, and it's just, it, it's, it's awful that people's first inclination is to, hey, I'm going to take pictures of this to have on my phone. For what? Like, what are you going to do with them? Either are you going to show them to friends and family? Hey, look at this. Here's Kobe and his daughter. They're dead. Here's, here's the crash scene and everything like that. I mean, who does that other than a vampire? Who does something like that? So, to be fair, she should have gotten probably way more money than what she got out of Los Angeles County. They said, quote, uh, her uh, attorney said, quote, today marks the successful culmination of Mrs. Bryant's courageous battle to hold accountable those who engage in this grotesque conduct. Um, she fought for her husband, her daughter, and all those in the community who de- whose deceased families were treated with similar disrespect. We hope her victory at the trial and settlement will put an end to this practice. You know what, though? In all honesty, it, it, probably, it, it probably won't. And her attorney said at the time that the first responders had no legitimate business reason for doing this. Yeah, of course they didn't have a reason for doing it, especially if it's on your personal phone. Like I said, what are you gonna do? Show your show your friends and family. Hey, look what I look what I was mixed up in today. It just is disgusting and it's it's sickening. And she should have gotten a lot more than twenty eight point eight five million dollars from Los Angeles County. I would have I would have bilked them for I I literally would have bilked them for everything that she could get out of them. Everything. I'd, I'd, have, I'd have taken everything that Los Angeles County. And maybe that's all Los Angeles County had, by the way, because, you know, they're not exactly on firm financial footing in L.A. County. So, but anyway, you know how Southern California is and all that. But that's what's bugging Chuckery. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap things up next with a love TKO. We're going to hand it over to the uh, JR Sports Brief. Chuck me for a few more minutes here in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com now. 